Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. We're going to talk about worship today. This is going to be this is going to be the third piece in our installment, removing barriers to worship. Uh, first Sunday, we talked about the destination. Drew a picture of where we were headed. And then last week we talked about the journey. And if you recall, we we journeyed through the tabernacle. We started at the outer courts and we moved all the way into the Holy of Holies and the mercy seat. But lastly, I want to talk to you about the things that may be hindering you along that journey. It's one thing to say, there's the journey, go on that journey. But this is me saying, you know what, here are some things that you might be carrying that are going to hinder you on that journey in your worship. Here's some pitfalls that you might step into along the way on that journey from the outer court through the inner court into the Holy of Holies. So if we all are on the same page, we'll begin. We have a destination. We have the journey. Now we're going to make sure that these barriers, should there be any in your life, you have a plan at least to remove those barriers. We're going to start with a few illustrations. The first is a photo of a dam. This is the largest dam I could find. I think it's out in um, Oregon somewhere. But we all know what dams do. Dams stop the natural flow of the river. And when we talk about the river of God, we're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about worship. We say, let the river flow. Well, that's analogous to the fact that, hey, God, I don't want anything in my life that dams up this flow into me and then out of me into my family first, and then into my church, and then into the community, because that's the order, right? So... Um, what are the things that, that dam up our life? Well, you know, I, I could go on for days, but let's just start here because I think it's pretty all-encompassing. And that is when you have false gods in your life. That means that there's something set up in your life that you think is more valuable or you value more than your relationship with the Lord. Well, for some very carnal people, it'd be pleasures or luxury or money or freedom Freedom. I mean, God bless America. Yes, but if America falls to red China, I'm still going to love Jesus. I don't know if some people would stay with Jesus because they've conflated their religion with their with their uh, politic. And I'm political. I'm a, a political animal like the rest of you. But that's not the top of the pecking order. That can't be the top of your pyramid. Are you listening? Right, so yes, I'm all for freedom, but that can't be set up as something that hinders you in your relationship with the Lord. Here's one that's really tough, and that's your, that's your time, because time is money. And time, if time is money, and money where your heart is, God says, why are you spending so much time doing that, whatever that is? And fill in the blank with your hobby, with your, mm, with your I mean, if I start naming them, It'll be as long as our arm. But that thing that devours your time, that you're ravenously wanting to put your time towards to, is that something, given the choice between spending time with the Lord and that, I'm talking about rest and relaxation, I'm talking about it's consumed you now. That hobby is now consuming you, for example. And here's here's the coup de grace, is family, your spouse, your children, children especially, um, I see parents worship their children more than they worship God. I've seen it. And I'm just, 
I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe it's putting you on notice. Maybe there's a twinge in your spirit about that. But I'll tell you right now that if there was someone holding, uh, you know, in the Colosseum, the floor of the Colosseum, uh, holding a knife to the throat of my wife, and they said, Eric, deny Christ or die, my wife would say, don't deny Christ. I'm sure of it. That's where we need to be. I love my spouse. I would die for my spouse. But I've got to love Jesus more than I love my spouse. So what's the remedy for blowing up the dam? Uh, Dynamite, dunamis, blow it up, and can I say show no mercy? Here's another picture. I have a close, intimate relationship with clogged pipes lately because my septic tank backed up two weeks ago. Um, on a Friday night? Um, yeah, it was a Friday, a Thursday. It was on a Thursday night, yeah. It's when, it when uh, Jubilee was born. Cheryl was helping deliver the baby and I was standing over a septic tank with the lid off, looking at 20 years. <laughs> yeah, so I have, I have, I have intimate, uh, uh, that's not my pipe, by the way, that's just a random pipe. Uh, <laughs> But that, that doesn't look, I remember some of you have been around town a long time, um, down on Carpenter, down on Carpenter and Klein, right across from Memorial Medical Center, there was a little church called First Assembly of God. That's where Cheryl and I began 30 years ago here in town. That church has long been torn down. But it was funny when we, when we first started pastoring that church, uh, if you were in the hallway getting a drink in the drinking fountain and someone in the bathroom flushed the toilet, the, the, the drinking fountain went like that. I was like, what happened? Oh, sorry, somebody flushed the toilet in the bathroom. Because the water pressure was so bad because that building was so old and the the pipes were so bad. And we were happy to see that thing torn down. So what's the remedy? A little Drano. A little Holy Spirit Drano to ream the pipe out. A little snake action, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. In the world of electronics, in the world of power, speaking of dunamis, there's something that's often placed in line that restricts power. It's called a resistor. Next slide. The resistor restricts the flow of electrical current within a circuit. And the problem there is that, that, that they can get hot if you start pushing too much power. So, it, analogous to our lives in worship, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. And then all of a sudden there becomes resistance in your spirit. That thing heats up and you go, uh, I, better, I better back off or I'm not, you know. This is like Isaiah, is it Isaiah, Isaiah 60? I think it's 60 or 61 where he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Why? Because all of a sudden, I've come, in, I've come in touch with this power source that's so great that there's resistors in my life that are going to burn me up. I must remove the resistance so the power can flow through me greatly. Some people don't move in great powers because their life is filled with things that resist the flow of the Holy Spirit in their life. Pornography. I'll guarantee you, Oh, I, 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 watch, I, I watch pornography and, and I still worship God. Yeah, but do you know, you know how restricted your life is right now? How double-minded you are? How impotent that really makes you in the spirit realm? Because you can have the form of godliness but lack the power because you have these resistors in your life. Anger? Can, you, can we just get rid of that? I had such a great experience this last week with someone who wanted to get angry at me and um, they didn't. I said, listen, I'm really not in a position to talk to you right now about that. I said, that's awesome. We'll talk when, 
when we can. And so a little time went by and we, we talked it through. But if you're a yeller, can you just not do that anymore? The volume of your argument does not make you more persuasive. The volume of your argument does not make you more persuasive. It actually makes you look a little more dumb. Pride, that's a resistor. Me, 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 me. Well, that's not me, pastor. Really? So now, listen, God's still working on me. When I'm in the checkout line at Walmart, I'm looking to see which line's moving faster. And then I kick myself because I didn't get in that one because there are three people faster than me. What the French toast is that all about? I should have got in that because everything's a race for me oftentimes. Everything's a competition. Everything's a competition for me, and I, and I, bat, I battle that in my own line, right? So now it's like, okay, uh, now it's time for the buffet line. All right, let's go. No, I should, here, why don't you go first? Why don't you go first and finger all the buns and the potatoes and everything? All right? All right no, go ahead. It's all right. You know? I mean, did Jesus grab his plate and ran to the buffet line? I don't, I don't see that being a Jesus personality. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about real life worship is what I'm talking about. When you have lust in your life and gossip, oh, please, don't even guise your gossip as prayer. That's a problem. The I'm the boss attitude, that's a resistor. Now, in Galatians chapter five, I'm gonna read three verses to you. This is out of the Message Bible. It says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of a get your own way all the time attitude. Um, Loveless, cheap sex a stinging accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence in love and to be loved, an inability, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into a rich to a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And I, Paul goes, and I could go on. And this is not the first time I've had to tell you this. He says, Paul was setting them straight. You have resistors in your life to the move of God. You've got to get rid of those things, or you will always get what you've always got. Let's ask this question. How many of you want a little more power of God in your life? Okay, most of you. The rest of you, marginal. We want more, more of the power of God in our life. Well, I'm telling you, there are barriers to that power and those resistors we've illuminated. Last illustration is the Coke bottle. Now, I don't know if you ever tried to get Coke out of a bottle quickly, Right? It's not going to happen with a straw. So you do, do the swirl. Have you seen the swirl thing where you get this? Yeah, but you know how you get the most out of that bottle as fast as you can? You take a machete and you whack the top of that thing off. <laughs> then you dump it all out as fast as you can. How much Coke can you drink? I, listen, I think this should be all of us. We need to drink out of the, try to drink out of the fire hydrant of the Holy Spirit. You know, too many people are just happy with a little dribble out of a, at a 40-year-old drinking fountain. It's not even refrigerated. You go, oh, I go to church. 
my, my mom used to hate that. You know, public drinking fountains, you know, they're like this nowadays, you know. But back in the day, the little dribble, you, as a kid, you push that button and then you try to suck it out of the hole. Anybody else try to do that back in the day? Of course you did, because you were thirsty. So we show no mercy, all right? Now, I've experienced because of my, the length uh, of my life with Christ, and I'm gonna give you a few, a few of those bottlenecks. Those are the illustrations. These are the realities. The first is spiritual battles. We get involved in spiritual battles. Um, this, in John 16, God says, I've told you these things, Jesus says, so that in me you may have peace, because in this world you will have Say trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus said, this, the spiritual battles that you have that hinder you in your, work, in your worship, you better learn to deal with them and remove them because they're not going away. They will always be there. And if you don't have one right now, hold on. It's on its way. So in the moments on the mountaintops in your spiritual life, when everything's honky dory, rejoice because it's coming a day when you're going to have a spiritual battle in your home, in your life, in your body, in your physical body, in your, in your health, in your finances, in your job, they're coming. So how do you deal with them? PLV. Here's what you need. Here's your Drano. Power, life, and victory. PLV. There is power in the blood. There is life in the blood. The power in the blood. We should have sang, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the, in the blood of the Lamb. Life and victory. Victory in the blood. Revelation 12, 11, you know. They overcame, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testament. They overcame. What's the New Testament written in? Everybody say Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek. So here we are. And you shall overcome. They overcame by the blood of the, the word there in Greek. Ready? Nike. Like the shoe. Like the Greek goddess, small g, Nike, who still has a temple on the Acropolis today. If you go to the, if you go to the Pan, if you go to Rome, we were there a number of years ago. You're, you're on top of the Acropolis. Boom. And there's a temple to victory. Don't you think Paul, knew, John, Paul, these guys knew this when they wrote this? He says, you, you want to have, have victory? You want to have, have Nike? It's only by the blood of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Isn't that cool? So I want the victory. It's by the blood. Well, how do you get the blood? Well, you get saved and then you plead the blood. You plead the blood. What does that sound like? Well, uh, have you heard anybody that's pleaded the fifth? What's pleading the fifth? They hold their hand and say, listen, I'm standing on the Constitution. And there's, a, there's, some, there's an article in the Constitution, the fifth article, that says, I, I have the right to remain silent because things that I say could be held against me in a court of law. And I choose not to incriminate myself by saying something stupid without a lawyer being present. How many of you know the advocate, the Holy Spirit is the best lawyer ever, right? So we only say what the Holy Spirit tells us to say. And so we plead the blood. This may be an unusual phrase for you if you've not been around a Bible-believing, spirit-filled, on-fire church. But in your life, should you encounter barriers in your life of worshiping Jesus and there's a spiritual battle happening in your life, you plead the fifth. You plead the blood. 
Well, how do you plead the blood? I wrote this. It's succinct. Something like this. You say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my home, my family, my life, and my mind and my spirit. I stand covered and protected, sealed from all the enemy's attacks, and I choose to walk in freedom that Jesus purchased for me by the blood of the lamb. Boom. Bam. That's like putting on, um, oh, what's the, what's the thing, man? That's like Iron Man. No, not Iron Man. Who's the dude who's got the little the red? Is that Iron Man? Right? I just kept thinking of the Ozzy Osbourne song and didn't want to go bad on that. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, and, the, and the, you know, the little helmet that goes on? Boom. What is that? And I like it's red, too. It's even red, right? That's like the blood. I'm covered in the blood. That's like, like having supernatural mosquito repellent. You leave something unprotected, the mosquito's going to find it. I said, you spray everything but your feet, your feet are going to be swollen the next morning because they'll all be bit up, bit up. So you cover yourself in the blood. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an analogy. It's a, it's a, it, it, a similitude. It's, it's that thing that you say, okay, you, I'm not asking you. And this is one of the reasons the Christians in the first century got themselves in a got themselves in trouble. They used language like this because Jesus said, this is my blood, drink it. And oh, Christians are, car- are, are cannibals. That was, a, that was an accusation in the first century because we drank the blood of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So this is a type, it's a form. When I say cover yourself in the blood of Jesus, it's you praying a prayer saying, I stand on what Jesus did for me. Somebody might pray for you and say, I cover you in the blood of Jesus. Don't whack out on that. Just say, thank the Lord, hallelujah. Isn't that the blood that went on the doorpost in the Old Testament so the death angel would pass over? That was the blood of the lamb. And so we plead the blood of over our lives so that we can get rid of whatever's blocking this stuff in our life. If you go on Encounter, you're going to learn about blockages where, where the enemy comes into your life. And sometimes, well, there's only two ways. He, the enemy comes into your life, either uh, um, you invite him in or he sneaked in. And so if, if he sneaked in, boom, sneaked, snuck. <laughs> anyway, he's on your couch. You walk in. Now, if it's somebody you've invited in, what do you do? You say, hey, how's it going? They're there drinking your sweet tea, having a cinnamon roll. Boom. You walk right by him. Why? Because you invited them in. And that resistance is there because you've invited it in. You've invited that spirit into your life, it's familiar to you, a familiar spirit. You've invited him in because occasionally he makes you feel good. Occasionally he tickles your fancy. Occasionally he dances to the music that you're playing and singing in your life. And so you've allowed him in and there he sits. Well, can a Christian be demon possessed? I think a Christian can possess as many demons as they'd like to. And there they sit on a line on your couch. That's, that's legal entry into your life. Get, get rid of them. The illegal entry is same situation. Now I come home, I see this guy sitting on my couch, and I go, whoa, what are you doing here? Get out. Blood of the lamb over my kids, over my wife, over my home, over my family. You have no right. You've illegally entered into this six feet of influence. You must go. Well, Paul I know, and, and, and Peter I know, but who are you? Right? You know, I, I, but Eric's my pastor, and I go to death. Big flipping deal. Big whoop-dee-ding. Do you know Jesus? Do you walk with him daily? Do, I mean, we saw, oh man, I'm so far afield. 
The seven sons of Sceva, if you don't know that, look that up. That's a great story in the Bible to find out. But here's these guys that like tried to cast out, tried to cast out demons and they didn't have the power to back it up. They didn't have the dunamis. Why? Because of the resistors in their life. The primary one that says, Geez, I'm going to be the boss of my life. I'm going to be in charge. Yeah, being a Christian school and everything. But times are going to get tough, ladies and gentlemen. You better know how to suck it up, buttercup, and have the blood of Jesus flowing in your family and in your life. The world is one large indoctrination center towards things that are not of God. I said the world is one huge indoctrination center of the things that are not of God. So you got to, with purpose, with integrity, go to your television, go to the books that you read, go to the, the media that you look at and say to yourself, is this pleasing to God? If it's not, well, then that's a resistor to the power of God moving in your life so that now you're giving the devil free reign in your marriage, in your home, and your kids. Am I starting to meddle? It sounds like it, but I don't want to. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Yeah, we're almost to point two, and I have seven points today, so, you know, we're, we're a little handicapped. We're a little handicapped here. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put us all in a helicopter, and we're just going to go ding, 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 ding across these mountaintops, right? Can we do that together, and you still catch some stuff? I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll post these notes online later so you can have them, too. Another resistor, another dam, another bottleneck in your life is pride, in John chapter 12, yet at the same time, let's look at this. Many, even among the leaders, believed in Jesus, but, underline, because of the Pharisees, they, those leaders, would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of their synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. You know what that is? That's pride. Now, let me read to you out of the EMV version. That's the Eric's modern version, if you're unfamiliar with that translation. It sounds like this, same verse. A lot of people, even leaders, believed in Jesus, but because of the in crowd, they wouldn't confess their faith for fear that they would be kicked out of the clique. For they love the praise of people more than the praise of God. You know how you get rid of it? You blow it up, man. You blow the damn up. You blow the bottleneck right out of your life. You cannot have that. How, let me, a pretty good, a pretty good barometer for pride in your life is how easily you get offended. How easily you get offended. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. You know why I can tell you don't get offended? Because Christ says that you're supposed to die to yourself, right? And Christ, I am dead, but I'm alive to Christ, so Christ in me. So um, I had someone once tell me, I've never seen a dead, man, a dead man sit up in his coffin and say, that music offends me, or I don't like those flowers over there. You, I know who it was. It was Bijou Joy. It was a friend of mine many years ago uh, from India. And he said, you, here's what he said, you can't offend a dead man. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, can't offend a dead I've never seen a dead man sit up in a coffin on a future complaining about something. So when someone comes to you with an argument or a disagreement, it's like, first of all, go, oh, really? I, man, I, I, I didn't, I, not like, what do you mean? Well, that just says you're in super defense mode 
There's a little bit of pride going on there. You're, you've been wounded. You've been injured. And listen, that happens to all of us. I get it. But, but, but our, that's our natural response. But our supernatural response should be, oh, man, okay, well, let's talk about that. After you stop yelling, then we'll talk about that. Right? Pride. That, I mean, Satan... If pride could turn an archangel into the devil, what can pride do to you? All right, so if pride's a problem, the only answer, the antidote, the antiventum to pride is humility. Just walk in humility. I'm talking about, I'm talking about pride being a poison. I'm talking about being a resistor, a dam in your flow of worship. Well, I'm, oh, there's an old song that we used to talk about. I will dance, I will sing to be man for my king. Nothing, Lord, will hinder me. Na, 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 na. Oh, I will, even more, oh, I'll become even more undignified than this. Georgian Banoff used to sing that song. And uh, it was, it's in relationship to David returning with the ark and his wife having an issue with David out there dancing. Like, man, ah, I'm so excited. The ark of the covenant, which is the presence of God, is here, blah, blah, blah. And you're so full of pride. You're so full of pride, you won't lift your hands to the Lord. I will look foolish. Well, I've already read that we should lift our hands to the Lord. That, that's, not, that's not Eric's idea. That's what the scripture says. Lift your hands. Lift your hands in the sanctuary. All those things we do in worship, the FAQ that's on our website, the QR code that we put up in the past about how you know why, why, why we do what we do in worship. Why do we lift our hands? Why do we shout? Why do we dance? Because all, all those questions are answered with scripture on the website, so check it out. Well, I would look undignified. You know what? I tell you what, a lot of, I'm gonna tell you, Oh, man. Oh, man. Jesus, give me wisdom. You know, there's a lot of people that don't want to go for God, biblically speaking. They like God the way they like God the way they've created God. Right. And that's a very safe God. But I think if you read this carefully, he's not a very safe God. He's an elaborate God. He's an enormous God. He's an amazing God. It's extravagance upon extravagance here and so in our worship and that's what this series is about in our worship if all we do is just then sings my soul my savior god now let's turn to hymn number 323 and because we're trying to get out in 45 minutes let's only sing the first and the third verses are we ready oh lord my god now can you worship in that i could for a sunday I could for a Sunday, but if that's what the well that I drank from every week, I'd be pretty thirsty after a while because I got to go to the deep waters. I got to go to the place where I can be undignified in my words. Well, pastor, you see that person down there? They're like laying on their face. They're like, they're, they're all stretched out on the carpet up there. How undignified. You're not concerned about them. You're concerned about one of your friends coming in, seeing that person and associating you with their behavior. But can we just have some real talk for a minute? Can we just have some real talk for a minute? Why don't you leave them alone in their pursuit of God and you figure out why you're so screwed up? That that offends you. That that offends you, that somebody's just going after it with God and boom, boom, boom. That sounded a little harsh, but I think it was the truth. 
truth is not hate speech. Hashtag. And I can disagree with you and you can disagree with me. It doesn't mean I don't hate. It doesn't mean I hate you. It it just means you're wrong. (laughs) I wish that guy would have stuck around. I really do. Okay. Well, that's number two. That was spiritual battles, pride. Here's one. I want to touch on this one real quick. And then we'll have the worship team come back up in a minute. Inferiority complex. I can't do it because I'm not good enough, right? So you know how I like illustrations, and I was going to bring a Coke bottle in and drop some Mentos in it. <laughs> but, but then I thought, that may not be the best thing for our brand new carpet. <laughs> but inferiority, let me just drop a few Mentos into your Coke bottle that's restricting you today, all right? In the Song of Solomon, which is a, a, a poem, a, a lyric, uh, it's, a poet, it's poetic language in the Bible, poetry. And it's, it's a love song, love letters, stanzas, love notes, back and forth between a lover and his beloved, which is a type of us and, and God, right? So there's an, the analogy there. And, and it says this in Song of song, song Solomon 4-7. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. This is how God sees his beloved. That's how God sees us. In Luke chapter 12, indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. In Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind where you can cry out to him, Abba, Father. Hebrews 10, oh, there's about eight verses. I'm going to finish up at the end of that in verse number uh, 19. Here it is. Here's what breaks the inferiority complex in your life. I'm not good enough. Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place. How? How? We've already talked about it, by the blood of Jesus. You're not getting in there because, doggone it, you made a great sacrifice and you gave the biggest offering. That was the biggest bull. Did everybody see the big bull out there I cut? How big that sheep was? I gave the biggest sheep. Therefore, now I get to go in. That's not how it works. No, that's not how it works. We all come in together by the blood of the lamb. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing inferior inferior about this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is Romans 8, verse 17. Now, if we're children, which we are, then we are all heirs, heirs of God, and everybody say co-heirs. That means me and Jesus on the same footing with what God has for us. I can go in. Jesus went in, tore the, the veil, top to bottom, and went right in. We have that right to do that. There's no... And... If you have that inferiority complex, you're listening to the wrong voice. You know the little Tom and Jerry commercial? Not the commercial, but the cartoon. Remember Tom and Jerry, the cat, and he'd have the one little bad, the, the angel on this shoulder and the little devil on that shoulder, the little red with the pitchfork and the little ears and everything. And he'd be whispering to Tom, you should do this. And then the angel would whisper that. And you're listening to the wrong voice. I'm telling you, you have every right to go into the Holy of Holies. And even if you do, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, if you've got nothing to offer him but a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he'll still accept you. You just come in in humility. Bottleneck of worry. Worry is a kryptonite. If you try to enter into worry, if you try to enter into worship with worry, it's a kryptonite. Rose, do you have my Superman slide? 
When you shed worry, you can go right into the presence of the Lord. What are you worried about? I'm worried about the money, and I'm worried about my house, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried. Listen, you better leave all that out there because you're not going to have the power that you need if you're carrying around that suit of clothes. Clark Kent into Superman. Shed the worry like Clark Kent got rid of his clothes. And the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your heart. The peace of God, the shalom of God. Christ in you. Superman S. In the spirit realm, you go into worship, you shed worry, you shed fear, you get the resistors, and you stand, you know, I am a child. Christ, not only Christ in me, Christ on me, Christ in me and Christ through me. I have a wonderful story about um, Corey Tenboom. If you're unaware of her life, uh, she was the daughter of uh, a watchmaker in the Netherlands. She was Dutch. Her dad, she had lots, of, they had lots of kids. This is Corey when she was uh, helping Jews escape uh, Nazi concentration camps in Germany back in the day. And then on the right side, that's a picture of her at this bookcase that they cut the bottom piece out where people could go into that bookcase and there'd be a little room back there where they would store Jews and hide them there. Well, somebody, you know, ratted her out. Um, Imagine that. We extol someone who did not comply. Imagine that. So uh, she uh, hid these Jews away, and uh, somebody ratted them out, and they arrested the family. Dad dies 10 days later. Sister dies in the concentration camp. Sister looks at Corey and says this before she dies. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. That's what the little dying girl said to her sister in a concentration camp. Corey said this, God does not have problems, only plans. And while she was, she wrote a book, she died in 1983, she wrote a book recounting her time in the concentration camp. And by the way, she got out on a clerical error. It's an amazing story, you should read it. She says this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. She goes on, and when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets as dark as death, when a train goes into a tunnel and it gets as dark as death, you don't throw away your ticket and jump off the train. You sit still and trust the engineer. Wow. Christ in you, Christ for you. Spiritual battles, pride, inferiority complex, unforgiveness. Oh, man. Unforgiveness clogs your pipes. Corey was asked, how do you forgive? Because she met one of the German officers who tortured her in the concentration camp. He came up to her afterwards when she was speaking at a meeting one time. He goes, I want to live my whole life to meet you. Because I, but I've, I've become a Christian now. And so and she said, and she, at first she said, I can't forgive you. She's being honest. But then she, God worked on her heart and said, I do forgive you and all of that. And they, they, they asked her, how do you forgive Corey, how do you forgive? Because unforgiveness is a barrier in your worship of God. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, you're not getting to where you need to go in your life of worship. And she, this is her answer when asked, how do you forgive? She said this, you decide. That was her answer. You decide. You will never forgive if you wait until you feel like it. I can't 
is a lie because when you forgive, you set a prisoner free and then discover you were the prisoner. Oh, I got quotes by Martin Luther King. I got all kinds of great stuff here. I I think we'll finish with this. Worship team, come on up, if you would. Would you tell Children's Church we're going to be another five minutes, please? Thank you. Um, Oh, can we show them the the biggest blockage at the end there? The biggest blockage at the end. Oh, what is that? That's open-heart surgery, ladies and gentlemen. That's how drastic you need to get when your heart is blocked. Some of you sitting here today, you know, I'm not talking about your physical heart, a coronary arrest, or you need an angiogram, or an angioplasty, rather. But I'll tell you what, if someone came to you this morning like they did Keith Abner's mom and said, you know, you got blockage in your heart, you need, you need to get that taken care of, what do you do? You life, she got life flighted today from Carlinville to Memorial. Why? To have her heart taken care of. That's how imperative it is if your heart isn't right. In worship, if you've identified with anything that I've said here today, these are coronary blockages that you cannot ignore. You get winded, you can't go up and down stairs. I'm not talking in the natural, I'm talking in the spiritual realm. Worship is a drain on you. Why? Because you have no blood flow. Am I making sense to you? So you've got to be able to say, okay, this is an emergency. I've got to get this stuff cleaned out about me. And you've got to be, you've got to be drastic about it. There was a man who came to a prophet who sat on a mountain and said, prophet, I want to learn to be with God like you're with God. I see God working in your life and I want to have that kind of relationship with God. And so the prophet grabbed the little kid by the back of the teenager, by the back of the scruff of the neck, took him down to the river and held him below the river. For a minute, the kid started screaming, puffing the bubbles and thrashing around, nearly dead. And the prophet picks up the kid, says, what do you want? He goes, I need air. He goes, when you need God that bad, come see me. What is that? Everything else fades away. Every other distraction becomes minimal because I got to have God in my life. Because if I don't, I'm going to die of this thing. We're not, playing, we're not playing church, ladies and gentlemen. We are the church, and we've got to get healthy. And worship is primary, a primary tool in, in evaluating our health. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.